This story is not about the presents under the tree. It's not about the sails or the songs or the snow. It's about a promise God gave us for every time we feel isolated, forgotten, lonely, for everyone who needs connection, closeness, warmth, or just to know they're not alone. This story is about Emmanuel, God with us. Once again, good morning to everybody that's here in the room. It's glad to have you with us. To those of you that are watching online, Happy New Year. We're glad that you're with us as well. The palace is quiet and the king is reflective. He's taking a moment to take stock of his life and he picks up his instrument, he strums a couple of notes and then he puts it back down again because he's troubled. His past year and the years previous have not been easy, they've been tough. King David has a lot in the rearview mirror. There were some great moments. He took out a lion and a bear as a kid. That's impressive. It's a good moment. He defeated Goliath with a slingshot and a single stone. That was a great moment. Being named king of Israel, that was a great moment. Conquering his enemies one after the other after the other. Those were great moments. Being named a man after God's own heart, that is a good moment. Becoming a peeping Tom, not a good moment. Taking another man's wife, not a good moment. Conspiring to have her ex-husband killed on the front lines of your own army, not a good moment. Raising kids that eventually tried to kill you, not a good moment. It's all in your Bible if you want to check out my facts. So David does what songwriters do. He reaches for his quill and his ink. He's troubled, and when songwriters are troubled, they tend to write, and the raw emotion of his life pours out. So here comes the good stuff. He wants to, to look forward. He doesn't want to be obsessed with his rearview mirror. He wants to look forward, but there's something getting in the way. His past... The enemy is accusing, flooding his mind with past failures and pain. But there's another voice there as well. God the Father is calling to David. David, I need you to look forward, not backwards. I need you to not look in the small mirror, David. I need you to look through the windshield. Oh, there's a place for your rearview mirror. But it's not nearly as important as we like to make it. Most of us are obsessed with what is behind us, and we completely forget what is in front of us. Some of you are looking at my windshield. You're like, Grant, it's cracked. Yes, that was on purpose. Because I know the people who come to Christ the King. There's not a single person in this room or online who doesn't have a cracked windshield. Thank you, Jesus. These are my people. We read Psalm 27 earlier in the service, and I want you to look forward with me into the psalm because we're all right there with David, right? We're in this sacred moment, and you could spend it. You could spend this sacred moment looking in your rearview mirror into the past, into a past you can't change, or you could get stuck in the reality of whatever vehicle you find yourself in today. Then you could bemoan the fact that here I am, here's my reality, I don't want to look backwards, I'm looking where I am right now, and it's just not that good. Or, or, you could look up and through into a future and trust God that he's actually waiting for you in your tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. 
Let's take a few moments and look at a life with God in 2022. We've been looking through this entire series of how God keeps promising. It's the most prevalent promise in the Bible. It keeps coming up over and over again. God's saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Today's our opportunity to say, and God, I want to be with you. David begins Psalm 27 with a bold confidence. Listen to his words, inspired by God to be read by you some 3,000 plus years later. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's ask some rhetorical questions. Should, be, should I be afraid that 2022 is going to be worse than 2021? Should I be afraid of, God's, uh, of, of other people's opinions of me? Should I be afraid of my past failures that I'm never going to get beyond them? Should, be I, should I be afraid? Should I spend this year being afraid of what could happen, what might happen? David says, here's your answer. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. I will not be afraid. Which means as of today, on the second day of 2022, you can say out loud, if you are with God, that you are not afraid of 2022, that you can put the year on notice, that we're not afraid of you because we are with the God who's actually going to be running 2022. Can somebody say amen this morning? Stop being afraid. David's like, I'm not afraid. And David is surrounded by actual enemies. People trying to take him out. He's like, I'm not afraid. God is my light and God is my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse two, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then I will be confident. Being confident in you is important. Being confident in who created you is imperative. And we get those two flipped over and mixed up all the time. Even though scripture says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. David begins to look forward with a bold confidence in the God who was with him. He has this embedded confidence that says, it doesn't matter what happens to me, it's who I'm with that matters. Because he will carry me through. He will help get me from Monday to Friday. He's going to bring me back next Saturday and Sunday. He's in charge when the kids' area floods. And it's all about the perspective. It's like, Grant, 500 gallons of water. It could have been 600. Could have been 6,000 if I hadn't found it early. Could have devastated the entire building. I am confident of this, that even when a pipe bursts, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing all of the time. He moves from confidence to a profound priority. And this is where the, the, this one's gonna get really, really, really personal. Verse four, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing I ask. David's prayer request is one item long. One item. It's not 27. It's not 42. There's nothing wrong with a long prayer list, but what is at the top of your prayer list says a lot about your character and how you're going to believe 
in the ability to be with God this coming year. So I'm gonna ask you a question. What is your one thing? If you could only ask one thing, what would be at the top of your list? I've been thinking a lot about this question, going back through my prayer journals over the years, looking at that one thing, and I'm not saying that there's a one thing that can be wrong, but I'm saying that whatever is your one thing actually speaks a lot about you and your relationship with God. As a pastor, I'm wondering like, hey God, one thing, um, if a really big donor could show up, Hey, one thing I ask, God, if the room could fill back up again, it would make me feel a whole lot better. Hey, God, one thing I'm asking, could we have a moratorium on funerals for the rest of the year? I'm done. Hey, God, one thing I'm just asking, if my life could just be easier, if the deal would close, if the sales would increase, if the kids would stay out of trouble, I mean, if this virus could just go away, if the check I wrote could actually clear, if the country would survive, if the markets could go up in New York City, then I can retire. I mean, one thing I ask, and this only will I seek, what's your one thing, honestly? Did you hear David's one thing? He's the king of Israel. He sits at the top of the org chart. He snaps his fingers and something happens. And David has one thing on his prayer request. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. Not a military victory, not an accolade, not a personal accomplishment. No, David has one request. God, could I be with you? Could I be present with you? Because I have this feeling that if, if I could just be present with you, all of this other stuff is gonna fall into priority exactly the way they're supposed to. One thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. So I'm going to ask you again, at the beginning of the year, you're only one day in. What's your one thing? You know, in this world, it's so easy to allow something to be your one thing instead of the someone who holds your eternity. I'm going to say that again. In this world where there's so many distractions, it's so easy to allow something to be your one thing instead of the someone who actually holds your eternity. Let me be so bold. Seeking God is the one and only thing that will matter in your eternity. Nothing else matters. So what will your one thing be in 2022? And I'm gonna warn you on the front end, priorities require hard choices. Putting Jesus first requires a new schedule and a new outlook. Prioritizing Jesus doesn't happen when your definition of prayer is three lines before a meal, whispered so that nobody else in the restaurant notices. That's not one thing. I believe God is calling his children to an entirely new level of boldness if we're actually going to see Whatcom County come to Jesus this year. 
Prioritizing Jesus means you surrender and you live out the words of the song, but we sing it so often and so easily, right? It demands my life, my soul, my all. What's your one thing? My one thing has been the same for 29 years. That God would heal my wife's eyes and let her see. That's been my one thing. Do you know what my challenge is? That God has said there's actually a greater one thing, Grant, (laughs) that actually will make that fall into line with so much beauty because he knows my heart to see Laurel be healed, but that flows out of God's presence. Grant, lean into my presence. Be with me. I know all about your girl. I will take care of it. Trust me. Be with me. Dwell with me. Stay here. Don't run. Don't chase. Be here with me. And I'll take care of all of these things. Then David challenges us to come up with a new song. Verse 5, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Some of us need a new song this year. We need to ditch the old verses of our past and the old tapes that we keep playing over and over again into our heart and look into the future with new confidence and new priorities. I've got a friend in Sacramento. He pastors at Bayside Church. His name is Kurt Harlow. Kurt was, was doing a blog Twitter thing this past week, and, and he asked another question that I think is so unbelievably relevant. Question number one was, what's your one thing? Question number two is, who should you be in 2022? And Kurt broke it into to two basic categories. He goes, the world's going to get broken into two different groups. One group is going to be stuck. And this is what it means to be stuck. You're easily offended. You're critical when served. You have early onset cynicism. And you're vindictive when you correct somebody. That's what a definition of a stuck person looks like. And he goes, and most people are going to fall into that category. Because let's just face it. It's easier to be stuck than to be significant. Kurt defines being significant as forgiving of self and others, grateful when someone serves you, an empathetic learner, and compassionate when you have to correct. So do you want to be stuck or significant? Just so you know, the answer to that question will emerge directly out of your answer to what is your one thing. Susie Larson is a fantastic author, and she wrote this blessing It says this, it says, we love our comfort, but God prefers our faith. We love predictability, but God invites us on an adventure. We want relief, but God wants redemption. We want a break, God's after a breakthrough. Hidden in every trying circumstance is an opportunity to experience God, to engage our faith and see him move. Did you hear that? Hidden in every trying circumstance is an opportunity to experience God, to engage our faith and to see him move. More often than not, we ask way too little of God. Susie continues, she says, he's greater, grander and more magnificent than we can imagine and he wastes nothing. 
He's using every nuance of your story to make you into someone you never dreamed you could be. So this year, pray big, dream big, take risks. Jesus will lead you on the best path of your life. Psalm 32, verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Boy, we get that messed up all the time, right? We think God's got his eye on you. And you better not pout, you better not cry. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. The Holy Spirit is watching you and he's coming to town soon. I hope we've learned a few things different in the With series. God will keep his loving eye on us. And I know this is a reality. Life is better when we have his eyes fixed on us and our eyes fixed on him, gazing at the magnificence of God, fixed in a direction that focuses solely on being with him. What if all of us chose our one thing to simply be with God every moment of every day for this entire year? David keeps pressing in and in your outline, I called it a, a heart for withness. We've been focusing on that over the last month. I want to remind you, David just told us what his one thing was. It was to be with God, and now he makes an appeal. He says, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant's anger or way in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. What does all of that say? What is David actually asking for? He's saying, God, be with me. And this whole series has been about the fact that God keeps saying yes to that request. He said, when I cry out, God, be with me. God says, I'll be with you. When the answers are few and far between, God, be with me. God says, I will be with you. When it's hard to see you in the fog of life, God, I need you to be with me. God is saying already, I will. I promised David says, don't reject me or walk out of me. God says, I will never, ever, ever do that. David says, no matter what I face, accusation, oppression, rejection, it's all there. God, keep me in your presence and be with me. And God keeps saying, done. Done. David says, run this race with me. God's like, I'm already right beside you. God, send others from your family to run this race with me. They're already here. Some of you know that I am a very amateur long-distance runner, and I mean very, very amateur. I don't run. I plod. I'm proud of it. Leave me alone. Okay. The greatest long-distance in the world, arguably, and I would say he definitely is, is a man by the name of Iliad Kipchoge. He holds every world record that there is, and he had a dream. His dream was to break the two-hour barrier for a marathon. I've run a marathon. Four hours is hard. Two hours is unthinkable. It's unthinkable. So many people said, it can't be done. It can't be done. 
The same people probably said the same thing to Roger Bannister, who was the first man to break the four-minute mile. It just can't be done. It's impossible to run 26.2 miles in less than two hours. And physically, I think it's actually true. But Kipchoge thought differently. What if I didn't run it alone? What if I ran it with someone? Kipchoge compiled a list of 41 of the greatest middle and long-distance runners in the world, and he made a request of them. Would you not run against me? Would you run with me? At times, they would run in front of him in a V, and he would tuck in right behind them, and he would draft off of them. At other times, they would file back in behind him, and they would push him to get him back on pace. They used a system of lasers and pacing. It was the most incredible, high-tech marathon that's ever been run. But what was amazing was this group of 41 runners chose to put their single achievement second in order to break an impossible mark together his request again is don't run against me run with me let me show you a picture of Kipchoge crossing the finish line in one hour 59 minutes and 42 seconds and I don't want you to pay attention to the guy in front even though he is absolutely incredible, I want you to look at the runners behind him. They are world-class runners who run against him all of the time. He's crossing the line, breaking a barrier that they said was impossible to break. And what do you see? We did it. He crossed the line, but we did it. He couldn't have done it without us. That's the attitude we need in our churches, where we focus on the unity of God's mission for the sake of each other. This is not original, but I'm going to rip it off. We have the great commission. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. We've got the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now we're faced with the great collaboration. The Bible says by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you want an example of this this morning? Uriah, who led us in worship, is the next generation pastor from Cornwall. Thank you, Jesus. We do this together. When are we going to get it through our heads that other churches are not the competition? I love freaking people out. They'll come up to me at a restaurant and they'll go, hey, Grant, we go to the competition. I'm like, you go to the devil's church? That's horrible. No, 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 no. Cornwall's not the competition. Bob's my best friend. None of that's in the script. I don't know where we are. It's the beginning of the year. I mean, together with a heart for witness with God and with each other, the Bible says we will know each other. What was that verse again? By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love someone who has a different one thing than you do. How we run with God and with each other is a direct outcome of what our one thing is. We've got to keep going. David is looking up and out and his eyes rest on a living promise. Listen to his confidence grow as he feels the power of a life with God. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
That's God's promise to you. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When you live life with God, you will see his goodness and his glory in the land of the living. And the promise is on this side of heaven. Can we be practical? You're saying, seriously, Grant? Seriously? Your kid's area got flooded, like I said before. I'm just thankful it wasn't 600 gallons or 1,000 gallons or 1,200 gallons. And you know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for Kevin Finsred and Mike Kemp and a whole group of people that flooded to the church and started extracting water and pulling stuff out of here. I'm thankful for Thomas Wilson and Jim and all of our custodial team who showed up off the clock in order to help and put the pieces back together again. You know why that happened? Because they love you. And you should love them and buy all of them coffee this week. I'm just saying. On this side of heaven, God says you're going to get to experience the goodness of God if your one thing is being present with him every moment of every day. Here's the key. You can live this life with all of its troubles and pain and sickness. You can live it with confidence and purpose when you keep your eyes fixed on where the end of your story is. Your story does not end here if you know Jesus. Can I say that again? Your story does not end here if you know Jesus. You need to keep your eyes up and out because your destination is not in this world. It's in the perfection of eternity. So live the life God intends for you. And some of you here, Grant, you have no idea how much I've messed it up. I'm going to remind you again, if you're not dead, God's not done. I love the last verse. David finishes his look forward with an expectancy of Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. That's hard for some of us. We are in an instamatic culture. Everything happens just like this. this and we are just not good at waiting. And the Bible keeps asking us to do exactly that. Wait for the Lord, be strong, Take heart and wait for the Lord. If you go back through Scripture, you'll see seasons when God's people had to wait. The world waited for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament for God to talk. The world had waited for all of history until this little baby showed up in Bethlehem. And in our age right now, today. We are waiting in expectation because we have a promise as the followers of God that one day, one day the skies will split, the clouds will part, Jesus our King will return, he will come back and reestablish everything and make it right and there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more flooded buildings, no more cancer it's all going to get thrown in the pit where it belongs. Oh what a glorious day that will be if you know him. So wait. Wait in his presence. Because he is with us. Even while he is coming back. So be strong. Take courage. There are times to wait on and there are times to wait for. We carry both right now. I better wrap this up. Have you ever paid attention or noticed the difference between a rearview mirror and a windshield? 
I mean, just the sheer proportions should send us a message, right? Flashing some of you in the eyes right here. It's all good. See if I can get the camera. Yeah, close. Got it. Perfect. All right. Didn't want you to feel left out at home. I mean, the sheer proportions should send us a message, right? Do you know what happens when you obsess with looking backwards? <laughs> You're not safe driving forwards. The only thing you can see is who you just ran over. <laughs> right? You can't move forward if you're fixated on the past. Now, th there is room for a quick look. That's why it's there. I'm going to check for reference. Everybody good behind me? Who's behind me? Are they going to buy my coffee in the drive-thru? I don't know. <laughs> just a quick reference, just to look back. But don't ever try driving forward while you're looking in the wrong direction. It will not work for you. There's another place you can get stuck. Often we talk about this illustration and we, and we only talk about the mirrors. There's another place you can get stuck. You can get stuck just looking around the car inside of you, right? This is my present reality. It's not that good. It's kind of confined. Not exactly what I wanted. I dreamed of something bigger and nicer, but here I am. That's far too limited a view. The windshield of your soul is there to allow you to see what's ahead of you. The windshield is also there as a refuge from a 60 plus mile an hour wind. While the rearview mirror allows us to acknowledge the past, what it really should do is allow us to thank God for how far we've come. Look at how far I've come. I've got some cracks. There's a little dirt on the windshield. It's not pristine, it's not beautiful, it's been pitted by the small rocks of adversity, but it still holds. And I'm still hiding and tucked in behind it. No, the windshield allows us to be grateful in the present and to move with confidence and boldness into a future with God and with each other. So what if you spent this week spending less than 1% of your time looking in this one and you spent 99% of your time looking through this one knowing that the God of heaven is on the other side of it waiting for you in 2022 and 23 and 24 and 25 and 26 and 27 and 28 and 29 I can keep going if you want to till someone says amen and 30 and 31 I mean Too many of us are living life this way. And God wants us to look this way. So as we close, what's your one thing? I hope you have a different set of priorities today as we walk out of here. I know I do. Because what I know is this, if my one thing is to be in the presence of God all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty, then all of the other things that I want or need will be in his good hands and his good care. Would you stand with me as we pray? Before I pray together, I want to remind you, maybe you need someone else to pray on your behalf this week. We would love to pray with you. You can go to prayer.ctk.church anytime. We have an army of people who love to take those prayer requests. 
Maybe your question is that God would help you truly live out your one thing. We would love to pray with you. So if you're at home, if you're online, or if you're in the room, prayer.ctk.church. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for Psalm 27. Thank you for simple pictures and the beauty of David's heart. God, I pray that we would be people who truly want one thing, for you to be present with us and for us to be present with you. So God, may we reflect on that. May we think about that. May we live this week in such a beautiful way that more and more would come to know you and join us in the beauty of living life with God, Emmanuel, God with us. We dedicate to you a year that you already hold in the palm of your hand. Lord, come what may, may we be faithful and may we be with you as you are with us. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen.